really interests me is that what do the women do who are able to create success in a way, I'm not just talking about financial success, but in a way that they're able to uh, live their values and create the kind of uh, business in the world that, that they want to contrib contribute to, to life. Welcome to Frau Berlin, a new space filled with stories of inspiring women. My name is Nadine Kessler, I'm an artist and designer based in Berlin. In this episode, I'm talking to Finnish screenwriter Anna Milimäki about entrepreneurship, philosophy, gender studies, writing and leadership. Anna and I met on a grey Sunday in November at Berlin Tiergarten, a big park in the center of Berlin, and continued the conversation we had started the day before, however this time with a microphone. Come with us on a leisurely walk amongst oak trees and ways paved with colorful autumn leaves. Yes, Milwaukee, that's right, very well pronounced. <laughs> yeah. And um, Anna and I met yesterday and had such an inspiring and interesting conversation that I spontaneously decided to make an interview with her and she gratefully agreed. Yes, it was fantastic yesterday and yes, I would say anything so that you say now because, <laughs> yeah, yes. Brilliant. Okay, um, so Anna... Can you just um, talk a bit uh, about yourself, what drives you, what interests you and what your background is as well? Uh, okay, well my background uh, in terms of studies is that I did my first degree in theoretical philosophy and I suppose I chose it because I was always interested to figure out how things work and I thought that being able to conceptually understand um, things better would help me and then um, I sort of uh, ended up studying uh, philosophical concepts that kind of were very aware of the limitations of academic philosophy so I ended up studying uh, Paul Feyerabend who, whose um, attitude was in, in a book called Against Method that it's a, in some sense it's a funny to try to to turn your experience into an, into the language of academic philosophy and uh, at that time my personal experience was that there was lots of things that I had encountered in my life that I couldn't make visible within that context and I was struggling with that um, so so uh, he was basically talking about then uh, how different ways of relating to the world uh, in some ways are on the same level whether it's a scientific paradigm or a uh, philosophy or a religion or a story and uh, so then I got interested in stories I had been writing all my life just uh, maybe as a 
way to keep sane. <laughs> At this point we crossed over to some of the facts that we had discussed the previous day. So I realized that we probably had to repeat a few things in order for this podcast to work. Therefore, it might be useful to know a little bit more about Anna's background and what she's done before and um, where her knowledge and her thoughts came from. To give an idea about how long, is, how long ago is that and what, uh, what was so your background before that? Yeah, well, I went straight from uh, high school, sixth form, college. To, to university in 2001 to do, do philosophy and uh, then actually I had a I was an exchange student in, in New Zealand and then when I came back and I was supposed to do my thesis so I had my uh, bachelor's degree already uh, I had a severe bicycle accident which kind of changed my perspective on what's important in life and uh, and that was also part of why I got more interested in stories and just trying to make sense of how I see the world through yeah. through creative writing really. So that um, what you studied in New Zealand was also related to writing? Uh, yeah when I was uh, I've lived in New Zealand twice so when I was there the first time just as an exchange student uh, I did one workshop on on creative writing, which was uh, short stories, and uh, but also philosophy. So uh, I was there really to study philosophy and uh, women's studies. It was called women's studies at the time. I think it's now now uh, gender studies there as well. But uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So your interest was writing, philosophy, women, or gender studies. And uh, where does your interest in women or gender studies come from? Oh, interesting question. I, I think, yeah, maybe it was that it was personal experience, I think, that I was quite surprised to encounter mechanisms in the university at the time that uh, I've encountered in my own family and the attitudes maybe of my father and uh, um, other people. And I kind of, I thought that uh, uh, the departments, you know, theoretical philosophy being intellectual, that those mechanisms just wouldn't exist there. So then I started noticing that, yes, it was uh, just uh, situations like, um, so we're, we're having a seminar and having conversation. And uh, at, the, at that time, there weren't very many women studying there. So every time a woman would say something, the conversation would stop and then continue from where it was before the comment that the woman had said. And uh, so it was just became sort of very, very clear that this was going to be an issue for, for me to um, sort of be part of the conversations and uh, develop the kind of relationships that you need when you're learning something new. So how many women were in that class? Is it uh, only a few? Well, I think uh, like the year before uh, I started, 
there'd been 16 students that started and one of them was a woman uh, and then they changed the the mechanisms I think they uh, gave the answers because you have to do an exam to get in at that time and so the the people who would rate the answers didn't know whether it was a man or a woman and then when I started it was about half but still the the because obviously there were still older students there. So in a seminar situations, the fact that in previous years there were a lot more men would kind of tilt the gender, gender balance in a way, but yeah. Whilst editing this podcast, I couldn't quite believe what I was hearing. So I decided to send a message to Anna and clarify the points that she just made. Hi Anna. I have one question in regards to the philosophy course. Do, you, do I understand this right? Only when they changed the rules and the names and therefore gender wasn't visible, then the number of female students who passed the test increased. Anna's answer was, it was the entry exam to study theoretical philosophy in the University of Helsinki in 2001. So the person who rated the test answers no longer knew the name of the person who had written the answer, hence no longer knew the gender identity. So suddenly the number of female students getting accepted increased. Hardly a coincidence. There are in fact a lot of interesting studies made about the subject. I found it still really hard to believe that basically little to no influence on this subject until then was made by female academics. She said, well, we fought to get a picture of a woman philosopher on the library wall of the department at the time. It was a huge struggle. The response was that there just isn't any important women philosophers. Luckily, the department does not exist anymore smiley face. Did you notice some, I found it really interesting that you said that um, the conversation would stop, the woman would comment um, and then it would continue at the from point from where, yeah, as if she would have said but nothing or do you think people just didn't engage with it was said it was taken in but it wasn't engaging enough or what was your theory why why this would obviously happen not only once but continuously yeah it's interesting this is a long time ago but i remember that i noticed it and then for a while i was like okay maybe i'm not being assertive enough so i very consciously actually tried different tactics Te techniques uh -huh. and I was also absorbing they? <laughs> uh, then I would uh, maybe say it again as sort of like like I said sort of refer yeah. to myself or to another woman but it just it seemed like to, uh, they weren't working uh, I was uh, the vice president of the students association that were studying mm -hmm. uh, philosophy at the time yeah. so uh, I was in that position like trying to engage other female students about this yeah. and I found very different like some were quite angry about the suggestion 
that these kinds of issues exist. I think it was maybe they found it scary. Mm. And so like the for them the better tactic was just not to talk about it and and So why yeah. why did you think it w they yeah. found it scary because they didn't want to speak up. They saw the issue. Yeah, but maybe. they were afraid that um, it wouldn't change anything if they would speak up or it would look or would uh, backfire on them so it would have a negative impact on their own yes. studies. So do you think they just kind of wanted this to be covered up and not mentioned or do you think um, for them it was uh, more important to continue pushing within their own capacities rather than um, in solidarity come up with a plan and, and bring that issue up yeah yeah I think that uh, yeah most students at the time they they just thought that it would be easier for them uh, not to be branded uh, as a difficult woman talking about these issues but rather try to be the one who's accepted because uh, but were there women who were accepted uh, and how would you def how would they know they were accepted um yeah i suppose if 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 you get um yeah well financial grants uh, i was reading recently uh a study that uh uh, Mario Tyrkinen, uh, who's in in University of Helsinki, uh, now conducting a study called We All, where they they also study women leadership, mm. uh, and she made a study that suggested that this issue is uh, real still in uh, in women in le leadership positions. That when they interviewed women, a lot of them said that uh, if there are some f mechanisms that they notice which hinder women's possibilities to to take uh, larger responsibilities, they don't feel comfortable enough to to address them. Okay, uh, can you make an example? Uh, this, I, I don't know if I remember, this was a study but for example that um yeah i i don't know if this was from this study that there was a two executive level people in a big company and they would come from from a uh from a meeting and the phone would ring so the man would just automatically say to the woman that okay answer the phone and and she would answer the phone and then later on just think think about that uh, that she was sort of stepping into this gendered behavior that though she her position was the same as the man she was kind of acting like a secretary yeah, in yeah. that that moment yeah, yeah. and again Anna and I were referring to a point that we discussed earlier in a conversation we had before the interview and we noticed that there is certainly a pattern in female behavior that is 
intrinsically part of us that we just do, that we are trained by society to do without actually knowing it. So this unconscious behavior might also mean that women are trained to take their own needs and take their own values and what basically relates to them as secondary, which in turn might then be related to the behavior that young girls at a very early age are trained to do, which means keeping harmony, keeping peace, making sure everyone's happy. And this, of course, is also part of avoiding conflict. So I'm asking Anna, because I want to know from her expertise and from her point of view, if this behavior of two people in executive leadership roles relates to this. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And, uh, and also I was just thinking about that. Is that um, some kind of, that the reason could be that what are the consequences is if there is some kind of conflict where you do rather strongly negotiate uh, your your own position that you for example try to enhance your career as a woman so yeah. sometimes yeah. Uh, that can backfire that uh, yeah, in a working context if a man does it there's more chance that it's seen as that you're capable and uh, assertive so your leadership qualities are there but sometimes if if you're trying to navigate those same things as a woman and there's a conflict and you don't uh, take a soft approach where you're willing to st step aside even then you're seen uh, not necessarily as uh, with good leadership qualities but rather Go run. Um, We're just trying yeah. to get through the Rosengarten where the, the gates close there must be winter. Um, and they, yeah, yeah, they don't open in winter. Well, I guess yeah. there's no roads at the moment. So. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Taking a detour. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah so, that's uh, okay, the leadership yeah. qualities that expected from men and women might be different. Yeah, like for, for example, now another study came to my mind where there was a For example, in order to to have a good position in your company, you have to have social contacts. So a lot of times what men do is they have lunches and dinners together in order to create uh, those connections that you need. But uh, in this study, they found that if you do that as a woman, that there is a risk that you've seen that you're trying to attract sexual interest one um, man I can't remember which company it was but he'd made a specific decision that when he's flying to different places uh, uh, where, where the, uh, his company has offices that if the person who's meeting him there yeah. is a man they will go out and have dinner yeah. so that he will know better the person and the communication will flow better yeah. but if it's a woman he will not because he's married and uh, uh, doesn't want to give any reason 
or doubt about that there so, would be. So would they still do something uh, with, I, I, with the whole team? Uh, yes, they would still do the sort of like official things that you do within within the working place in order to get to know the the project that they're working on. But what would be different is just the personal connections, and uh, and I think that in order to make something work and communicate clearly things, you kind of you need to know the person that you're working with so then in in some sense if you are excluded from that social interaction yeah. because uh, uh, your behavior as a woman might be seen uh, my hand is getting really cold i use the other hand yeah, to hold the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then i could wear gloves right but yeah, so there's a conflict there. That, that that's like a yeah, some kind of yeah. Um, you have to navigate issues that that aren't so difficult for if, yeah, if you're a man. It's yeah. it's really simple and uh, seems to be a small issue or a tiny little thing. But I haven't. It really hasn't come to mind. But I guess if there's I don't know still 90% men in leadership roles and these. Um, occasions um, they women won't have the chance to get to know these um, leaders on a personal level because of uh, I don't know fears that might be completely I mean this um, if these professional relationships cannot all cannot also exist on a personal level without the fear of uh, sexual attraction then there's something wrong yeah. if you ask me like uh, yeah, yeah that's something that you can't then you at. can't look at from a distance and perspective and can't distance yourself from a business and personal level to then the next step being a s sexually attracted to that person or, yeah, or, or, or even, or even just think thinking about that there could be yeah. from outside some kind of yeah, yeah. connotations that are seen as harmful. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I find it really interesting that uh, the categories then will take over and uh, our gender biased behaviours rather than just seeing what's the most functional way to go forward in terms of the goals of the project or the, the goals of the company. This point came as a surprise to me and I hadn't really thought about it before, but now reflecting on it, about the work situations that I have been in and the teams I have been working on and the leaders that have been leading several teams, if I think about what their activities were outside of the work relationship, how they would have spent time together, would go wild water rafting together or on hiking trips or other little adventures on extended um, weekends. I realized that all of them, all of the ones I know of, were completely male groups so all of these leaders got to know each other on a personal level of course 
it had until now never occurred to me how important this connection was in order to be successful not only for the individual leader themselves but also for the company it makes complete sense to me now So I was thinking about my own business and my clients, but also on a personal level, how it had impacted me when I came out of a long-term relationship and wasn't the partner of a man anymore. So I was me representing myself as a woman. And I was, after a while, looking for particularly female professionals. So when I needed a lawyer, for example, I looked for a female lawyer and with her I felt like we could communicate on the same level where I had previous experiences with male professionals who would just not take me as serious and would not give me the same professional service because they would not expect from me to have certain knowledge or to have the same interest or just not I don't know I just had um, negative experiences so I looked particularly towards women and I was successful with that because then I could ask questions silly questions at that time it felt to me because I really wanted to understand the subject and understand what I, for example, was signing in a contract. Anna seemed to be quite curious about my mechanisms that I had developed during that time to cope with these issues. Wow, that, yeah, that's so interesting because that brings to mind what we were talking about yesterday. That was uh, when I was uh, trying to find uh, successful women entrepreneurs uh, it's still very very beginning of the process so I'm, I'm just trying to define that what kind of questions um, do I put out there in order to to get some answers that interest me but what really interests me is that what do the women do who are able to create success in a way, I'm not just talking about financial success, but in a way that they're able to uh, live their values and create the kind of um, business in the world that, that they want to contri contribute to, to life. And I've been trying to yeah, find interesting women uh, so that I could hear their stories, so I could uh, understand something about uh, maybe what kind of narratives they produce of themselves that what how, how do they see the process because yeah, my uh, hypothesis is that the way they create narrative has some kind of influence the fact that they're they're able to create it in reality as well so I, I just ended up finding entrepreneurs who who have a business together with their male partner Okay, and, yeah. right. <laughs> and and th this comes back to what you were saying just now, yeah. that it's easier to function I in a world where, where you're not just representing yeah. yourself yeah. Uh, yeah. as a yeah, person in the world making decisions, but in a way you're just uh, representing yeah, may maybe the man then, or, yeah. Or, yeah. or just at least yeah. uh, a bigger Which, structure yeah. that includes men. What 
Anna just mentioned not being part of this bigger structure anymore was also the point where I first realized what it meant and that I had to find alternative solutions for myself in order to stay sane and in order to be taken seriously. And I also think that the expectations that we sometimes face as men or women are very twisted or are often untrue. I think at the same time men have a lot of trouble not bringing or showing the skills that um, they're supposed to have or they're expected to have or they associated with um, like a stereotypical repairing things um, and therefore I think these gender related um, skills that we bring with us that's not just an issue for men or women it's generally an issue in terms of stereotypes and I think it's generally important to distance yourself from these views so I hope you see this interview and this talk with Anna more as a platform of starting to discuss these points rather than complaining about the issues that we women have. It's more the idea to bring them to light and potentially next time we encounter certain situations to rethink our own actions. And I continually, continuously do that myself and it's sometimes really, really hard to um, step out of these patterns, but I think it's super important. Yeah, because what actually came to my mind is what we were talking about earlier, about the ability to navigate conflict. And, and so, so I thought that, is that something that has to do with it? Like, as a woman, a lot of time, uh, I can be somewhere listening quietly when um, a man talks about a subject that I have more expertise in and uh, that this this has happened many times and I was thinking about that if my communicational style would be more confrontational uh, I, w I would probably say hey you know I know this and I know better than you and introduce some um, comments about uh, and make it clear a lot of times it doesn't feel in the moment that it would be important for me to change uh, the mechanism of the conversation but then sometimes I've thought about it that maybe it is because then especially if it's in a group where people don't know each other so well so and they're constantly making uh, learning about who knows what and what are the so it would skill be sets benefit to add yes your knowledge to this person's yeah. knowledge but something holds you back yes yeah. yes and also then then obviously then uh, I'm not able to communicate so well uh, the resources that I have to give uh, in that group. Right. And then if, if somebody would have an issue concerning this area, they would probably go, go and ask the man who was 
talking about it while I was uh, quietly listening and yeah, yeah, giving yeah. him the space. Yeah. At this stage we had arrived at a cafe am Neuensee and decided to warm our cold hands over a nice cup of tea and coffee and went inside so you have to excuse the background noise. This is sort of like a, what came to my mind that, okay, playing with kids, for example, that there's a certain value when you give space, that you create a space where somebody else is able to bring in their knowledge, bring in uh, stuff that they're not nece necessarily professional about, but they still have life experiences about it. And this was interesting, a friend of mine is working, uh, doing equality plans for, for companies in, in Finland. Like there's legislation that if you're bigger than a certain number of um, employees, that you have to have a plan how, how the, the company stays equal. So, yeah, so, um, and, and she was saying that one of the problems when, when she goes to a company is that they're expecting that, okay, now a professional person will come there and tell them how to do it. Where, where the expertise is actually that how do you create a space where the people who work there are able to talk about their experiences at work, bring out issues that they've encountered, and so that creating this kind of uh, space for sharing it has very specific skills that aren't so easy to recognize. So yeah, I found that uh, interesting. There were many more questions I had to ask Anna and perhaps there will be a second episode. But for now, and as we were waiting for coffee and cake to arrive, I had one last question for her. I wanted to know if there was one special person, a woman that she looks up to, a woman that inspired her and continues to inspire her and perhaps significantly influenced her in her life. So this is what she said. Yeah, definitely several. I don't know, the first that came to my mind right now is a friend of mine from Finland, uh, Paulina Rasanen. She uh, owns a circus. See, she owns a circus and uh, yeah, we, we uh, became friends a couple of years ago and um, and just when I first learned about what she does that she has created a circus um, in the middle of nowhere really in the archipelago and they have people coming there on a regular basis and then her creative work uh, every year she has to make a new new show uh, uh, and inviting artists but that for me was that looked like that she's been able to create something completely that wasn't there before and even there's an impact in that small village where she works that you can see people are more body aware in that place because the circus has come there and she gives workshops and uh, 
and um, just that what kind of an impact she has on that community and uh, the ability to yeah have your own place where you you have creative outlets so yeah I think she's she's really inspiring with two kids as well I don't know how she does it but yeah thank you very much Thank you so much. Part of this. Um, I really enjoyed this afternoon. It's getting dark outside. It always looks a bit like Christmas with the fire going and the light chains out there. And, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. I hope there was something in it for you. There's some food for thought and some points to start discussions from and yeah this is an art project so it'll continue regularly the process of these episodes is very organic so just stay tuned and i'm looking forward to talk to many more inspiring women in the future perhaps even your story because i believe that everyone's got an interesting story and It'll be fantastic if I could share that with you through my podcast with everyone else. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day or night. And thanks again. <laughs>